Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 46. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. Today, I'm diving into an interview with a very old friend of mine. We knew each other back in high school when we were growing up, and in the years since, we have both gone through a lot of changes and iterations, and I don't think either of us are exactly where we thought we would end up when we were in high school. And honestly, when we were in high school, I don't think either of us thought we would end up in the context in which we met each other either. So it's just a natural progression, I think. But today we're gonna be talking about a topic that is very close to my heart that I'm very excited about. And we're gonna be discussing it with my friend, Abigail Hayes. Abigail is 21 years old. She has a bachelor's in strategic communication from Liberty University. She was Miss Oregon in 2021 and the fourth runner up to Miss America in 2022. She is currently working as a discovery clerk at Perkins Law with the goal of becoming a family attorney. And today we're gonna be talking about her experience with Miss America, how that, and partly what we were competing in in high school, how that led to her desire to go to law school, become a family attorney, how we make big decisions like that. And through all of it, we're gonna be talking about how we can become more intentionally involved with community and social causes that matter to us, because that's something that I know so many of us want to do. We have these causes and missions and people that we wanna help, but in the midst of our busy lives, sometimes that can fall to the back burner. So we're going to be diving into all of that today. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Abigail Hayes. Abigail, thanks so much for coming to share on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Carly. So to get started, can you share a little bit about who you are and everything that led you to where you are today? Yes. So my name is Abigail Hayes and I am the youngest of four kids in my family. I was homeschooled K through 12. I also did college online. So it feels like I've been homeschooled my whole life. I come from an awesome, very supportive family. And that kind of has led me to all of my endeavors and where and who I am today. I love that. And I have a very similar background. You and I have known each other for a good many years, and I'm so excited to have you come and share about your journey, which has been, I'm not going to say unconventional, but it has been different. And it sounds like it's something different than what you initially expected just growing up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I think back to this entire last year and it really is just absolutely so crazy because there's so many moments that I look at and I'm like, wow, had I decided to give up at that moment, I would not be where I am today. So 1000% the last year of my life has just been so transformative for, I feel like my entire future. And it's something that I never expected. I love that. And as the Resolve podcast, I love resolutions. And I love that idea of how much can change in a year, whether it is unintentional things or those things that come together or those things that we make happen for ourselves. It's so exciting to see one year to the next, how much can change and how much we can grow. So the big thing for you this last year was being Miss Oregon. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's still weird to say or think about. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so exciting. And I want to know like what led you to Miss America and made you decide to compete? So I grew up watching Miss America. My mom was Miss Portland. I think now it's been, it's either 42 or 43 years ago. Wow. So I always wanted to be Miss America, but it was one of those things that I was like, oh, I'll do that one day, but really knew deep down that I would never actually get to. So I would run back and practice the piano after watching Miss America during the commercial breaks. And I would imagine playing on the Miss America stage in this last December, it actually happened. <laughs> That is so cool. So what was that thing then that you grew up thinking like, there's an idealized version of me, maybe who does that. 
and then to the point where some, at some point along the line, you were like, I'm going to sign up or I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. What was that like? So the biggest change that really just sold me on Miss America and actually deciding to compete was first of all, I was working at Chipotle at the time mm-hmm. and I had a friend come in and everyone was like, Queen Hillary. And then I was like, wait, what are they talking about? And she was like, <laughs> oh, I just became Miss Lane County. Mm-hmm. And She started telling me about the program and I hadn't watched Miss America in a couple of years. And I think a lot of people maybe grew up hearing about it, but it's, I don't know, been placed on the back burner. A lot of people don't know about the program and people have a lot of misconceptions. And so for me, when I realized that this program is 1000% centered around giving scholarships to women, and it's actually the largest scholarship provider for women in the world, I absolutely knew I had to jump on board. It's centered around community service, which I already was so involved in my community. It's about your talent, your intellectual capabilities, so many different fun things. It's also about your interviewing style and your speaking. And we both did speech and debate together. So (laughs) I was like, I am on board with this amazing organization. And so that's what really led me to finally compete. Mm, That's so cool. And can you give us a glimpse into what it is like to participate? Oh man. So first of all, there's like a 10 minute private interview and they can ask you literally anything that they Mm -hmm. want to ask you. So there were some off the wall questions. Generally it's pretty political or it's about your marketing plan for the organization, how you plan to bring on sponsors, what you're doing in your community. And it's really centered around your social impact initiative. That's also Um, a phase of competition, you have 60 seconds to put together a PowerPoint and then present what you're doing in your community. And then the next phase of competition is your talent, which is about 35% of your score. And they also still have an evening wear phase of competition. So you don't even necessarily have to wear a gown and it's not about how you look. It's about how you present yourself on stage and your confidence level. So I don't know, competing really going into it. I had these preconceived notions still in my head. But once I competed and met all of the women, I was just absolutely blown away because it's not what you think it is. It's an incredible organization. It's not petty girls fighting over dresses or who's more beautiful. They're uplifting each other. They're encouraging each other. And it's just an amazing opportunity to grow in so many different skills you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. Cool. And that's the kind of community we all want, I think. And it's so cool. That's one where you can just enter into it and all of these other amazing people are already there. As opposed to, I think a lot of times we feel like we have to piece our networks together and just find those cool people that are out there, but to be able to step into an organization that has already brought together so many amazing young women would be so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's all about confidence and how you're portraying yourself and being able to communicate your ideas and what you're doing intentionally for your community. What is it like to have to present all of that all together? It sounds like what we used to do in speech and debate, having to <laughs> present ideas and be confident and yes. at least act like we knew what we were talking about. But I think a lot of people lack that or feel like they lack that. So what has it been like for you to develop that through this program and just the rest of your life? Something really amazing about this program, going into it and my first interview at Miss Portland, which I lost that competition, my first competition I competed at, as opposed to my Miss America interview, it looked like two totally different people. But I would say I felt so much more relaxed at Miss America than I did at Miss Portland. And I think that's because I realized this program really wants authentic women and it wants people who are real and relatable and they just want to know your true heart and your true self. And so I would say for me going into it, I had to learn through competing that it really is just about your heart 
for your service and what you want to do in your community. And as long as you're able to just speak from the heart and let that flow, the judges will see it. And if you meet a Miss Oregon or another state title holder or a Miss America, they really are the most genuine people. But I will say it also takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of <laughs> trial and error. But if you trust the process and you stick with it, it's absolutely worth it because I'll take these skills with you. I just had an interview and it totally helped. I wasn't nervous for it because I had done all these practice interviews. So mm -hmm. it takes practice, but it's worth it. And there's so many different avenues I think we can use to develop those skills, but I think you're so right. It's about trusting the process in any one of them that yes, I'm doing this and yes, I will get better. It probably won't always be this hard. It might be different kinds of hard, but you really are going to reap the benefits all along the way because you're growing the entire time. Absabsolutely. There's no such thing as failure because you're right. still <laughs> So can you share some highlights from your year as Miss Oregon? Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's like way too many. Okay. Gosh. Okay. I'm sorry. That's so hard. I would say one of my favorite things had to have been was all the appearances that I got to do centered around my social impact initiatives. So one of the first ones that I did, which was so impactful was for a princess for a day. And it's centered around children in foster care, all these little girls in foster care, and they're able to come and we did all their hair, their makeup and their nails. And then they get to go to a different room, pick out an outfit. Then they go to the next room and it's a ball and there's an ice cream social. And then they get to take this entire outfit home with them and feel like a princess for a day. And while I was sitting there brushing out a little girl's hair, which was extremely just matted and tangled, and it took me quite some time to get through it. And I told her, I'm like, I'm so sorry that it's taking me so long, but you just have such beautiful long hair. It's just going to take me a minute. And she proceeded to tell me, she said, please take as long as you can, because this is the one event I look forward to each year. And so for me, I realized that although as one person, I may not be able to change the world, I can change the world for this little girl. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Victoria Hill, Miss Georgia 2020 said is that people may say you can't change the world, but you can change one individual's world. And just that alone, I would say was just an amazing impact from being Miss Oregon is that I knew whether I changed the entire state of Oregon or whether I impacted 10 individuals' lives, I knew that I changed their life, which is a significant thing. Those were definitely the highlights. Just those moments were just so sweet and worth it. And it's really not about the crown and the sash, but there's also fun appearances. Like one of my childhood dreams was to sing the national anthem at a football game. And I got to sing at several different colleges, football games, as well as for the Blazers. And so I don't know, that was like, really fun as well as the number one thing would be the relationships with all the competitors. They're literally sisters. We talk every single day. We have group chats with my Miss America sisters. So relationships as well. So on the flip side of that, were there any parts of holding the title of Miss Oregon that were particularly difficult or challenging in a way that you didn't expect? I would say that I am very hard on myself and I'm also a people pleaser. And so realizing that not everyone's going to love you, that's a little bit difficult and getting over that and realizing that you just have to be the best version of yourself, be authentic, be kind to every single person you encounter. I would say that sometimes it's hard going to appearances where, you know, absolutely no one, or I will not lie. There have been some appearances that were maybe not as interesting for lack of better word. <laughs> and still realizing that even though for me, it's, oh, I've done this kind of appearance before or whatever, realizing that those people are so excited to see you. And so I don't know, going into those appearances and things like that, what really helped me 
was going in with a heart of gratitude. And so just saying, I have this opportunity to do this appearance for the fifth time. So I'm going to still enjoy it because it's an incredible opportunity. So those were some of the struggles, but even then I'm like, there's no negativity, honestly, from competing in the Miss America organization, I feel like. Well, and what's the workload like for your year as Miss Oregon? Like how many appearances is that? Oh gosh, I cannot tell you how many appearances it was. I was traveling from corner to corner of our beautiful state. So I ended up actually quitting my job and I had saved up enough. So I was able to quit my job. The scholarship paid for my school. So I was able to just live at home with my parents. And so it definitely is a full-time job. And there are some candidates that in their contracts, like different states, like Alabama, you're not allowed to actually go to school while you're Miss Alabama and you're not allowed to work. It is your full-time job, but the networking and the scholarships and the skills. And there's so many takeaways that it's totally worth taking a year off and pause from your life for one year. It's absolutely worth it. So can you share a bit more about what your platform was and what that means for you? Yes. Oh, it's so funny. I'm like, I haven't talked about this in a minute. So no, my little back up. <laughs> okay. My little 30 second elevator speech. <laughs> so my social impact initiative was titled generation next equity for the underserved. And it was focused on creating equity for underserved youth. So some of the things I got to do is partner with the national center for children in poverty and basically advocate for change surrounding economic mobility, security, and opportunities for families and underserved communities. Mm-hmm. And I got to go speak at schools and be a mentor to underserved youth. And really my entire goal throughout my year was just to show kids that there is hope and to bring back hope to these communities. And for me, first of all, going into this year, I needed to decide, okay, what is hope? And I believe that's the expectancy for good to come in the future. So bringing that back to as many kids as possible was really my goal throughout my year, as well as changing policies that will hopefully create equity for them and their future. So is that something that you have or are going to continue to be involved with going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So this was something that I already was very passionate about before I competed, but then I had to create, here's my title, Generation Next. And so I feel like social impact initiative, something that our current Miss Oregon just said, which I was like, snaps all around. So good. She said that social impact initiatives is not a phase of competition. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so for me, success is service. And so I feel most successful when I'm serving other people, which is why I want to be a family attorney, just because I know that focuses on helping kids in the majority, as well as there's divorce and things like that. So yeah, I definitely want to do pro bono work and be a family attorney. Mm, That's so exciting. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I definitely (laughs) want to dive more into that. But I think so many people have those organizations that they're passionate about or causes that they're passionate about or those communities that they really want to see helped. But in the midst of our busy lives, I think sometimes it can feel like that just falls naturally to the back burner or the end of our to-do list because we have those people that need things from us and having to go to work every day and trying to eat healthy and all the other things. So How can people more consciously and intentionally make a social impact initiative a part of their daily or weekly or monthly or yearly lives? Yeah, I think that, again, it's realizing that you're not alone, that it's not just you taking on these huge battles, because that can feel very overwhelming and something that the previous person I already quoted, Victoria Hill, Miss Georgia, she said that as we um, inform the public, we have to recruit the public. And so (laughs) I would say... First of all, you can just spread awareness, even if it's okay, once a week, I'm going to post something about this. But I would say it's really important to be 
and this is like my whole model in life is to be intentional and is to trust the process. So if that's, you are going to post once a week about something you're passionate about to get people involved, then make absolutely certain that you do that once a week. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also realizing what you have availability for and time for. So don't Mm -hmm. spread yourself too thin because then you just get discouraged when you don't meet your goal. And then I would also say it's really important to find what you're passionate about. So I wouldn't say just go out and absolutely go volunteer wherever you want to. It's always good to volunteer. But I would say if you want to really get involved in one area, find what you are passionate about, because I really feel like people are driven by either desperation or inspiration. And so if you find what you're passionate about, you'll be inspired and you will want to make a difference. Something for me is that I liked to, or wanted to center my future career around it. So if you know that there's something you're really passionate about and it can also fund your livelihood, then absolutely go do that as well. It's a simple way. (laughs) So tangentially related to that, but I have heard the discussion about which is better or more important giving time or money. And I've just elected not to buy into that because you can do either, you can do both, but do you have any perspective on that? No, I really think that it comes down to you and what you have the time or abilities to do because both are needed. Both are most definitely needed. That's something that I had to advocate for, got to advocate for as an ambassador for the National Center for Children in Poverty is they're a nonprofit organization and they rely solely on donations to be able to do the work and support their employees. And so monetary Donations are 1000% necessary and needed in order to get things done, but also nothing can also compare to spending time with a child and showing them that you love them. Love is priceless. So in every different area, both are needed. Mm, Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's like what you said, being driven from inspiration. So you may be inspired to give money. You may be inspired to give time. There may be an organization you care about who really only needs one or the other, and you can just naturally follow that. I think another difficulty that some people have is feeling like there's either so many organizations, they don't know where to start or which one to help, or the opposite where they feel like I care about this group of people or this issue, but I don't know how to find someone who's already involved in helping them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's incredible how many organizations there are, but I think it is difficult to finally figure out how to get plugged in, going on the website. And it can definitely be a difficult thing, but there's some amazing organizations out there. And I feel like if you really are passionate about something, it's definitely worth investing the time to figure out exactly where you want to invest your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. So what is next for you? You mentioned becoming a family lawyer. Where are you at in that process? What are you working on currently? I am currently working on studying for the LSAT, but something also that's really exciting is I was hired in May. So a couple months ago as a discovery clerk at Perkins law, which also happens to be a family law practice. So I'm doing that nine to five. You guys can find me at Perkins law, Clackamas, Oregon. And I really enjoy the work there. And yeah, I'm just studying for the LSAT right now. And thanks to the Miss America organization, I received a 50% scholarship tuition to Willamette University. So we will see what happens after I take the LSAT and start applying. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So exciting. And I have to ask, because I think a lot of people, they get to that point where they finish their bachelor degree or whatever the level of education they wanted to attain. They've done that. But then there are so many more opportunities like going to law school or going to grad school or doing an internship. How do you think people can best approach a big decision like that? Oh gosh, that's really hard. I feel like big decisions like that kind of just take time. And 
again, I feel like it really comes down to finding what you're passionate about. And if you don't know what your passion is yet, I would say try it and try again until you figure it out. I think that there's no harm in trying different things and figuring out what you do or what you don't like. Yeah. And for me also, my faith is really important. So praying about it, whatever it is for you. So that's for me, something that weighed hugely into determining that you can make lists, pros and cons. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I would say growing up, I never thought at first that I would ever want to do speech and debate. And then I was terrified of it. And then I did it. And that's how I determined that I'm passionate about debating the merits of policy change and why I actually want to be an attorney now. So yeah, trial and error. Well, and that's such a great grand example of trusting the process, because if you had told little you going into speech and debate that at the end of this, you're going to want to become a lawyer, I don't think you would have believed yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. You're correct. Okay, I want to move into the resolution round. So this is about goals and goal setting and all of that fun stuff. So do you set goals or resolutions? And if so, what is that process like for you? I feel like I do set goals and resolutions in a sense, but it's not necessarily this is my goal. It's this is how I'm going to change my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't love to say like resolutions or like goals, but I think it's really is important to have small goals, but I think it's really important to realize that you're changing your life. And so for me going to the gym, that was my goal for so long was to become consistent. And I was like, there's no way I can ever do this. And now I go to the gym like six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. I absolutely love it. And it's because I realized, oh, this is not just for three months. This is my life. So this is a lifestyle change. So yeah, that's how I approach goals and resolutions. I love that. And it's true because no matter what you call it, it is all about changing your life and getting your current life more in alignment with that future life that you think you want to live, which it sounds like for you is going to the gym six or seven times a week, which I totally agree. And that's really what it's all about. So is going to the gym six or seven times a week or competing in Miss America, are those Either of those the biggest kind of quote unquote goal that you've achieved or is it something else entirely? Yes, I would say that those are the biggest goals I've achieved. Miss America, I knew I wanted to do it since I was about four years old and it took some pushing because like I said, I lost my first competition at Miss Portland. So last year was my first year ever competing in anything like this. I lost my first local and a former Miss Oregon approached me And she was like, you have to compete next week. And there's one more opportunity to qualify for Miss Oregon. Please do it. And so I decided to do it and my whole life changed. But something that I heard from Deshauna Barber was that she said, do not fear the word no, but instead be petrified of a yes, you have prematurely destroyed because you decided to quit before the clock struck 12. And I feel like Miss America was definitely, it it came with its hurdles, but again, trusting the process and knowing that this was a dream and trying again the next weekend can change your entire life. You never know. Yeah. And like you said, at the very beginning, just not giving up. So if you hadn't won at the next weekend, would you have tried again the next year? Or what do you think that would have looked like for you? I feel like had I not won that next weekend, I would have tried again the next year. You would have kept going. Yeah, I think I would. I can't say for certain, (laughs) but I believe that I would have just because after that next time competing, I also had a whole different perspective on the way the competition worked and the candidates and everything like that. Well, and it's all about the inspiration, like you said, and once you witness that community and everything and the opportunity to share about causes that matter to you, I can totally see how that would just light you on fire and absolutely something you would want to take as far as possible. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So other than studying for the LSAT, what other ways are you working on your life right now? 
Oh gosh. I feel like my life is on pause until I'm done <laughs> with the LSAT. So my current like resolution and goal is to, which I've done this for two days, but I'm saying this on a podcast. So everyone right. can hold me accountable yeah. is that, which ultimately, yes, this will be a lifestyle change because this will change my future. But I am trying to get up at 5.30 every morning or six, go to the gym before work. And then I actually go to work an hour before everyone else gets there and study for the LSAT an hour before I start work. So that's my current goal. And I feel like that's the only thing I can think about until I'm testing. (laughs) That's awesome. So what time I'm curious, were you getting up before? Oh, (laughs) during my year, I would say roughly seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. So So it's not not too bad. Yeah. And it's not too drastic then it's a couple hours earlier, but yeah, I totally get the focus of this is the one thing that I have to do and expect for myself, especially when your life is so full, which all of ours are, but you just be like, this is the one target area I'm working on improving. And then everything else can just coast at our very high level of performance. (laughs) I will say also now thinking about it further, your question, Mm -hmm. something that I'm really working on, which was my quote unquote New Year's resolution, um, which has also just all these buzzwords have been thrown out in this podcast today is intentionality, but specifically with my relationships, just because I feel like for the last year, I've been so focused on people that I didn't know in my community, which is a great thing, but now just really focusing on my individual friendships and my family and different things like that. And so I feel like just being very intentional with the time that I have with them. I deleted TikTok right after I was done with Miss Oregon because I didn't have to post anymore. So I was like, dumb TikTok. So being present and in the moment and enjoying the beauty of life with the people that you love, I think is just crucial. Yeah, that's so true. And I love that too, because last year you were being very intentional about engaging with your community and connecting with other people. And this year being intentional is looking like connecting with your family and some members of that community that you've intentionally created. And that's so cool because it can totally look different from season to season or year to year, but we can still live out those values that are important to us regardless. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a fantastic way of looking at it. I didn't even think about it like that, but yes, no, so true. So every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners resolve to do? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to give a list. <laughs> oh gosh. I would say, okay, there's two. Okay. If you, okay. Resolve to find your passion. Because I think without a vision, the people perish. So first of all, find what you're passionate about. If you already have what you're passionate about, then follow step B, which is trust the process. You guys have probably already said that for someone else. No, those are perfect. They fit together perfectly. I love it. That's great. That's what I would say. Once you find what you're passionate about, stick with it. Do not give up and do not take no for an answer. And then we're going to dive into the confetti questions. So these are just for fun so that we can get to know you a little bit better. And the first one you already answered. So right now you're getting up at 530. Yes. Well, congratulations. We'll <laughs> when do you do your best work? Ooh, depends. It depends on what the work is. Hmm. I would say studying in the morning, working out at night. Okay. Well, it sounds like other than moving your working out to the morning, you're very intentionally taking advantage of that. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? You've shared some great pieces on this episode today, but what comes to mind is the best? Oh man. Gosh. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not good at answering these questions. I'm like, there's two. No, two is fine. <laughs> so the first piece of advice from Katie Harmon, who is our Miss America from Oregon 
is she told me before my Miss America interview, and I was saying all the things I wanted to do in my community and what I would do if I became Miss America. And she said, the world doesn't need any more vague statements. And even though that wasn't like advice, it was like, wow, that's so true. I think a lot of people say, I want to do this and I want to do this, but no one actually does things and say, don't make vague statements. Don't make empty promises. So that was good advice, even though it was just like a comment. No, that's Um, true. I love that. Yeah. And then the biggest piece of advice, again, it was Katie Harmon. And I asked her what helped her before she did her Miss America talent and competed because I was just so incredibly nervous. And she told me that she went into everything with a heart of gratitude. And so whether that was, she was about to perform and seeing her talent, she thanked God for her shoes or just gave thanks for her interview outfit or the fact that people are willing to listen to her. And so even on days when I'm working at my new job and I'm feeling so overwhelmed and I'm like, what in the world does this mean? What am I supposed to do with this? I still have a heart of gratitude. And that just makes my day so much better because I'm just like, wow, I'm so thankful that I have a job that I can struggle over right now to decide what I'm supposed to do. And so I feel if you take those difficult situations and those difficult moments and you realize the things that you have to be thankful for, you just have such a happier life and you feel so much more motivated and encouraged. And I feel like in turn, you can also help others find that motivation and find that encouragement. So I would say just living life with a heart of gratitude. That's such a good one. And what do you do to rest? Wow. Sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Sleep. Okay. That's so simple, but I am a big nap girl. I love <laughs> naps. I took lots of naps throughout my years. Miss Oregon sleep. I love that. Cause you probably had a lot of late nights. So I imagine yeah. napping was very important. My director has an album on her phone of photos of me napping like all over, like on a bus and the airport on the floor. (laughs) That's definitely for the memory books. Yes. Favorite beverage? Probably like a Dutch Bros Rebel, an energy drink. Perfect. We know you're from Oregon if you live there. Yeah. (laughs) Favorite TV show? The Office. Love The Office. Classic. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? the power of habit. Then that's where I got all of those things that I'm saying, trust the process, all of those different things. Such a good book. Perfect. And yeah, because habits are just like that. You trust that by doing this thing over and over again, you're going to get the result that you want. What book are you currently reading? Gosh. Okay. I think it hasn't even been released yet. It's like a life lived by hope or something like that. So it was actually gifted to me by the creator of Every Child Organ, which is an organization that's focused on helping kids in foster care. And so I got to meet her this last year at an appearance and she was like, I'm writing this book. And it was just, it's just so incredible. I'm reading it at work on my break, like literally almost in tears. It's really incredible. Sorry. I don't know the exact name. It's okay. (laughs) I'll do some research. (laughs) (laughs) And what's a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? Oh, I feel like I shouldn't say this on here. I'm now I'm like, I've kind of said it. No, I can't say that one. <laughs> you can say two. It would be like in keeping. <laughs> okay, this one's kind of like stupid. Hopefully he doesn't hear this podcast. I was gonna say I got a boyfriend. So that's cool. <laughs> that's toast worthy. We'll definitely toast that with you. And oh gosh, I would say my new job, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing right now. Yes. Two big life changes. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. We're toasting that with you. And then where can people go to find more information about you and your work and all the amazing things that lie ahead in your future? 
well, I would have said go to missorgan.org, but my face is no longer on there and neither is my information. <laughs> oh gosh. You can go to LinkedIn and find me on LinkedIn or also on Instagram. You can find little highlights of my life there. So yeah. Abigail, thank you so much for coming to share about your experience with Miss America and all the things that you have planned for the future and how we can more intentionally engage in those causes that really matter to all of us. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Carly. This was just such a delight. And that's a wrap on my interview with Abigail Hayes. I hope that you took something away from that great interview from hearing about Abigail's experience with Miss America. It's amazing to be reminded of what those women are doing all across the country about what it's like to have and to come in contact with a network of people like that and about the difference that we can make, whether to one person or a community and how to make making a difference an intentional part of our regular lives, which is something that I know all of us want to do. I hope that this interview inspired you to find your passion or identify what it is in your life and to consider how you can use it intentionally in the life that you've created to help other people to make a difference and at the same time to go after the things that matter to us. So with that, thanks for tuning in to the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tizano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytizano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.